Good evening, any listeners to this podcast. Welcome to Drinking with Freelancers. I am your host for this evening, Andrew McGrow, and joining me tonight is a good friend of mine, the uh, CEO and founder of Ottawa-based videography and app development company, Bitesight, Casey Lee. Hello. This is, this is the first time, I'm pretty sure the first time I've been in the guest seat. Really? Yes. So I've been the host of two podcasts now. Um, I've never been asked to be on a podcast. And secretly inside, I, I, I wish more people would ask me to be a guest on their podcast. It's like, it's, is it a bit like, it's a bit like having a party. You're the one that's always hosting parties. Yes. And it's nice if you're not the host for once and somebody else can clean up the mess yeah. after the party's over, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm actually, I'm actually going to be on Glenn's podcast on Monday. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So two, two within four days. Fun, fun story. I helped him the format for the very early episodes oh, of really? his podcast. Oh, okay. Listeners to this podcast, if you're all interested, a, another good friend of mine and Casey's, uh, a man named Glenn Schmelzley, founder of Ottawa-based marketing agency, Marketing What's New, um, has his own podcast. Funnel reboot. Yeah. How long? How long was that? How long has that been going for? Actually, it's been going for for a sizable portion of the time that I've been working. So it's got to be like two or three years old. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, but he had an official launch way back when, and I can't remember how long ago that was now. I feel like I feel like we should have adjusted that table so that the laptop was closer to you. That table actually does pop up. Yeah, I, I'm I'm aware of that. <laughs> I know that. The title of this podcast is Drinking Freelancers. I feel like you should explain to people why, where this idea came from and why it's called. This idea, I'm trying to remember where this idea came from. This idea came from me wanting to toy around with the idea of doing a podcast. And when I went on your podcast, by the way, listeners, Casey also has a podcast. Actually, there's a bit of the origin story on that episode. Yeah, in that episode i started drinking there and, and then i told you yes. we should do a podcast and but the idea the idea came up before then though right? yeah it was but it was for you it was like the first opportunity to actually like test it in the field yeah, yeah. so i had a delicious whiskey cocktail while i was on your podcast and mentioning it you said that you announced to all of your listeners that I would eventually be doing it, and I felt a terrible social pressure. Look, like not, not what, two, three months after that, you're actually doing this now. This is Drinking with Freelancers, and I'm here with Casey Lee, who is neither a freelancer, nor does he drink. Yes. I'm drinking a delightful bottle of Vino Verde. It is a specific kind of wine that comes from Portugal, made from grapes that are picked at a much sort of younger date in their growth. I'm turning the bottle around as to see if you're just reciting from the bottle, if you, you actually know this. This is a drink that you actually enjoy? This was a drink that I actually enjoyed and was okay. introduced to by a friend of mine, Andre, uh, who's from Portugal, who first introduced me to this particular kind of wine. Are you are you more a white wine drinker or a red wine drinker? I am, I'm 
will drink just about anything. What about a rosé, as it were? <sighs> I, I like rosés. Are rosés literally a mix of white and red? Is that all they are? Or, well, oftentimes, like, I know that they can be. You make me want to stop this recording and to go look <laughs> it up so that I know what I'm talking about. Why stop when you can just Google, right? What? Anyways, the, in the description of this podcast will be an explanation as to what rosé is actually made of. The goal of this podcast was that I wanted to sit down and have a drink with many of the freelancers that I like or found have done something really interesting and ask them a little bit about themselves, about who they are and where they came from because for so much of our work, where our profession, we are... Hidden. Yeah, hidden. We're, we're viewed by the work that we do but not necessarily so much about the people that actually have to do. Totally. I, I actually, I brought this up when I interviewed Aaron Blasky, actually. Yeah. Um, on that episode, I brought up the point that it kind of makes sense that we're not, we're not like known for who we are because it's not like a company is paying you to talk about yourself. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not celebrities where we're you're literally paid for your face. Yeah, you're trying to get to down to work, right? Like you got to get something done. It's not like you, you you get paid to sit there for half an hour to talk about your history. Or yeah, and I would say that a similarity between myself and Casey is that for both of our work, what we are ultimately doing is trying to help show a higher quality face of our clients. Mm -hmm. It's not really about us, but about making the people that we work for look good. Yes, definitely. So we're not too different from people who give haircuts. I suppose that's a... I always... I'm going to bring that up with my barber the next I always, time. I always, I always thought that yeah. um, anybody who did my hair, I'm always like, you must love your job because you make people look good. Like, you know, after I leave a haircut, I'm always like, man, this looks great. Yeah. And so I guess I wanted to start out, well, I originally would start out with what you're asking what you're drinking. Yes. But since you're not drinking anything... Well, I can tell the audience what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a tall glass, a tall broadhead glass. Broadhead is a brewing company as far as I know. I believe it is. Are they based in Ottawa? I think they're from somewhere down south. Okay. Well, I'm drinking a tall broadhead brewing company glass of water okay because i don't i don't normally drink is the reality right i don't it's not a it's not a religious thing it's not a health thing i just i don't like the i don't like the taste of alcohol and i think that's totally reasonable yeah i say as i pour myself i i've always liked the i've always liked the virgin versions of like like say pina colada right i actually enjoy the virgin pina colada more than i enjoy the real pina colada and there are some really good non-alcoholic takes on alcoholic cocktails. Like, do you eat trifle? Yeah. Trifle. I like non, non-alcoholic non trifle versus real, like, alcoholic. Yeah, cocktails. and in fairness, the alcohol should really only be a very small part of what Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, a good place to start is, I guess, you're you're an Ottawa boy, aren't you? Uh, I was born and raised in Pembroke. In Pembroke, so a little bit outside of Ottawa. Yeah, so like 150 kilometers or so west of here. Yeah, so it's a town. It was a town of. Uh, here's here's the, here's the funny thing. So when I was growing up, I believe the population was something like thirteen thousand eight hundred. Mm -hmm. And I haven't. I mean, I that was when I was you know like ten years old or whatever. Right. And now I'm thirty seven, and the population is like fourteen thousand 
No, you know what it was? It was 14,800, I think. Right. And now I think it's like 15,200. It's getting, it's, it's growing it's up. It's grown like 400 people or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I mean, I love growing up there though, to be honest. It, it's, I still love going back there. It's sort of a, like a small town thing. It's like if you're from there, there's, there's a certain, I think, appeal to it. Totally. You end up coming back too because it was, it's like, it's your childhood. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's like, like, like Pembroke, I always say it's, it was like a really good place to grow up. Like everyone who came from there, I feel like was really like super, super nice. But at the same time, like I think small towns also get sometimes the, the reputation of like people just stay in those small towns and don't have bigger ambitions. Right. But I feel like that wasn't the case. I feel like a lot of people grew up in Pembroke. Um, and and I actually had aspirations to do bigger things and went on to do bigger things, which is, which, I mean, I can't name any celebrities that came from there, but actually, you know, Tom Green has some connection to Pembroke. I think I, th- I think he went to the same high school that I went to for a brief period. I mean, he, he's he's an Ottawa guy. Right. I think yeah, there's a lot of people from there who 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 went on. You know, to move out of there, go to university, all this stuff. So, growing up was like coming to Ottawa, like a thing that you did, uh, like events or stuff like. That. Yeah. So my my parents, so my parents are originally from Hong Kong, and when they moved to Canada, they moved to Toronto. Obviously, like bigger Chinese population around the Toronto area. So they they originally lived in Toronto, and they moved to Pembroke, um, but obviously still had friends and stuff in Toronto. So so we actually still spent a lot more time in Toronto. Like we, we'd come to Ottawa every now and then because it's only like an hour and a half away. So like shopping trips every now and then, like this and that. But to be honest, we spent most of our time going to Toronto uh, back and forth. And it's a long drive, it's like four four to five hours. Only, only slightly closer than what it would be to drive from Ottawa to... Pembroke to Ottawa is like, yeah, exactly. Like Pembroke to Ottawa is like four to five hours. But Pembroke to Ottawa is an hour and a half. I mean, Pembroke to Toronto, Ottawa to Toronto is four to five hours. Same thing in Pembroke. Pembroke to Toronto is slightly shorter than that. No, it's pretty much the same. There's kind of like a triangle. Ah, okay. Yeah. Equidistant. All right. Were there like any freelancers or entrepreneurs that you remember like early on when you were growing Um, up? Not that I remember. Like even myself becoming kind of a freelancer entrepreneur was not really in my cards for a long time. What did you want to be when you were five? So, um, my older sister convinced me for a long time that I wanted to be an architect. Right. But I don't think that was really real. It was just something I would say, oh, I want to be an architect. And I think the first career I ever thought about actually doing, like, for real. Right. The earliest one I can remember was probably filmmaker, actually. Yeah. I think high sc- high school I mean I'm sure I'm sure as a kid I had some aspirations of being something something different. Right. My my dad's a doctor. Um, I don't think I ever really considered being a doctor, but I don't yeah, I, don't, I mean I had a really good childhood so I probably wasn't really thinking about like working ever. <laughs> like, I think I think I was very preoccupied with my hobbies and my right. and my playing my playtime that I never really thought about work. Although okay, I guess I guess Okay, I, I played a lot of video games growing up. Right. And so I guess video game tester was at one point like, oh, that would be the coolest job ever. And I feel like those of us that grew up in like the 80s, 90s, we all, it was really coming to its own. Yeah, like Nintendo and SNES. Yeah. I think that was a dream for a lot of people. It's, oh, cool, that you can have a job. Yeah, you can have a job as video game tester. Exactly, exactly. 
and I think, like, I mean, I was reading a lot of video games. I, I mean, a lot of my hobbies, I think that's what I always thought about as a, as a job, right? Like, like, I would read video game magazines, and I'm sure at some point I was like, oh, it'd be cool to write for a video game magazine because they get to play all these games and stuff like that. And filmmaking was kind of the same thing. Like, filmmaking, um, I really got into because of all the DVDs I was watching, right? Like, when I was in high school, this was when DVDs started coming out. And every DVD, you know, was like special edition, like came with two or three extra discs, and they all had all these behind the scenes making of documentaries, right? And the more of those I watched, I was like, man, that just sounds like such a cool job. Like everyone seems so amazing at their job, creating awesome things. And that's that was really like where I think my first kind of real aspiration for a career kind of started, so. In essence, what you do now, you've got kind of an early start on like, heading in that general direction of creating creative visual work. Totally, totally. And, and when I was younger, um, you know, I, I drew every now and then, and I was kind of into, I, I was kind of like an amateur like graphic design person. Like, I, I mean, I kind of dabbled in Photoshop when I was pretty young. Right. Uh, I mean, I programmed as well when I was pretty young. I actually built, I, I, my dad signed me up for an HTML course when I was, I think, in elementary school. Um, it was this like Algonquin College um, night like school to learn HTML. Right. How did how did you figure, did you just like you're gonna learn this because you I think you should or is it does it like did you show like some interest in like this is how websites are? I don't know actually. I don't know what his motivation was because I mean my dad at an early uh, I mean my dad has always kind of been into computers and tech and stuff like that. So I definitely had that influence. You know we had a we had like a lot of computers growing up. Um, we, we were definitely one of the early adopters of internet in general. And uh, he taught me QBasic, which I don't know if you know what that is, but... That rings a bell, but that's... It, it's like very early programming language. I'm pretty sure it's not being used by anybody anymore. But it's one of the early programming languages, and, and he taught me how to do that. Like he, he taught me some early programming. Um, and actually, me and my friend in high school, I remember now, we programmed a video game in, in QBasic actually pretty early on. Right. Um, so I think maybe that he kind of, and, and I guess he kind of knew I was into computers because I, I was on the computer a lot. So he just signed me up for this course and I went to it, so. So it, does that sounds like that your entry into building software for people yeah. got to start even earlier than your videography? But but this is the thing though, this is this is the weird thing, right? Like Like what I'm doing now was very much by accident. Like, like I didn't, like for the longest time, I was really about the nine to five, like working for a, a traditional company, climbing the ranks, you know, becoming manager, you know, maybe, like, who knows, maybe like becoming like a CEO or something like that. But it was very much a traditional path because up until very recently, my entire life has been a very traditional path. Like I went, I went to elementary school, then went to high school, after high school went to university, university I got a job, like very, you know, like, it's been a pretty linear path. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the original jobs that I had were very nine to five, go to work for a big corporate company and just climb those ranks. How long has it been now since you stopped doing that? Doing the nine to five. So so I started Bitesight in uh, the summer of 2012. Uh, so seven years basically. Um, and I will say my my kind of aspirations to 
do something like Bitesite did start a little bit earlier than that, but maybe only like within a year of that. So about seven years, basically. So, so where was, I could totally run my own business. Yeah, so I think it starts a little bit when I was at my first job. So I, I was at my first job um, out of university, a company called Harris Computer Systems. And that's so old, even I've never heard of it. <laughs> no, they're, they're still around. They're and, still around. And, oh, okay. they're, part of, they're part of a bigger company called Constellation. Ah. Yeah. So they're, they're like apparently, at, at least at the time, they were like the second biggest software company in Canada. Uh, they, owned a, they owned a lot of companies. Well, let's show us how much I know. Yeah, well, I didn't, I, I'd never heard of them, and they were the second biggest company in, in Canada, software company. So that company, you know, they, they treated me really well. Um, they, you know, they did a lot for me actually. Um, like I would get to go to these leadership conferences and these customer conferences and, you know, they upgraded my hotel room one year and I was like, I was this like low level entry level employee and they upgraded my hotel room. So they, they just treated me really well there. But the way the software team in particular was kind of, the way it was, it, I, it didn't, it just wasn't really for me. You know, there's just a lot about it that that wasn't really feeding my software, like world or whatever. What what year was this? This was 2008 to 2011. Okay. Yeah, and there's just a lot of things that weren't going right for me there. Um, like, I don't, I don't I don't want to like again I don't like I can't blame them because like they, they treated me really well. Right. But it's just a lot of the processes were not very nourishing of soft of my software development life. I was going to say there's something clearly that wasn't like feeding like yeah. your your love of like I'm going to get up this morning and, totally. and write code for people. And it was a very gradual thing like like I was loving my job for a lot, like for a good year or two. Right. Um, and then there was this kind of slow decline where like first of all I should mention that from effectively 2001 to 2011 when I was doing my undergrad in software engineering and working as a software engineer I actually did not enjoy software. Like for 10 years, I did not enjoy programming. I did not enjoy, I, I was very insecure about programming. Right. I didn't felt like I fit in with other software engineers. I, I just wasn't into it. I was way more into filmmaking. So at this company, even though my job was software engineer, I actually um, was using a lot of my filmmaking skills. They actually got me to do a lot of their corporate video. Right. Um, so I guess there's a seed of it there. Like I, I knew I could kind of create corporate video for a company, basically. Um, but long story short, I was kind of being set up to do some corporate video and graphic design and stuff for the company, but it never came together because that company didn't really need it. Like all their sales came from like RFPs and, and things like that. So they didn't really need it. And so as a result, that position never really came to be. And I ended up leaving the company. And when I left that company, I kind of got a taste of startup world because I ended up going to work for a Wesley Culver company uh, called Taldeo. Right, and they're out in the West End. They're West End, Terry Matthews, like incubator kind of uh, group of companies. Mm. And I got to see what kind of like startup life was like and I started getting into the startup ecosystem and started learning all about that. While at the same time, like when that was happening, I was also starting to build up skills that seemed really perfect for kind of freelance kind of work. I was doing graphic design, I was doing web development, I was doing a little bit of mobile development, I was doing um, uh, video production, like Teldeo was, was, I was doing video production for them as well. And so all these things were kind of like, I can maybe, you know, do this. 
But I'll tell you what the catalyst was. Right, because that was actually going to be my next question, okay. yes. The catalyst was not getting into Shopify. Ah. That was 100% it. So, so when I left Harris, I was looking for jobs all around the city, and I was not doing well. Right. Um, either I wasn't finding the job that I wanted, or I wasn't qualified enough for the ones that I wanted. Right. And, and I wasn't even looking for software jobs. I was actually looking for... Uh, time management consulting, management consulting jobs, um, leadership jobs, these kind of things. And a couple of months after I decided to stop looking for jobs, my friend told me about Shopify. And so I applied to Shopify. And so it's funny because like they had a bunch of job postings for Ruby on Rails developers and I didn't know Ruby on Rails. So I, I applied. So first of, all, first of all, I learned Ruby on Rails. I spent like three or four months learning Ruby on Rails. And then I decided to apply for the job. And I get the HR interview and I killed it. Like they, they love what my cover letter was all about. They love my personality, all the stuff like that. Then I get to the technical interview and I bombed it. Like it, it's really cocky to think that you can learn Ruby on Rails in four months and be as good as people who were original contributors to the open source Ruby on Rails project. project. Yeah. Um, so yeah, failed miserably, like really bad and didn't get in. That's how I got the job at Western Clover actually, because Teldeo was also looking for Ruby on Rails developers and they picked me up. So I got, went to that and- And they didn't have quite as, they weren't quite as concerned about your knowledge of, of Ruby not, on Rails. Not nearly as much as like a Shopify was. Um, and Teldeo was another one of these companies that treated me awesome. Like, like all the people who worked there were really great to me. They gave me a great opportunity. Um, it was awesome. But I'll be honest, my mind, was still a little bit on Shopify. So I actually applied again. Like seven or eight months later, I actually applied to Shopify again. I, having gained now like seven or eight months of actual work experience with Rails. Applied again and didn't get in again. I, uh, I actually built a whole portfolio website. I was like, this is, I'm gonna kill it. My friend was actually working there at the time. So I was like, okay, I have a connection in there as well. I made these business cards for my application. and. I, I guess I just wasn't a fit. So was a little bit disappointed, didn't get that again. And I think that's when I really started thinking like, maybe I just should start my own thing. And that's kind of how what, I th that was one of the catalysts for sure. I, if you were to ask me exactly why I started the business, mm. I, I don't have a firm answer for that because it's so long ago now, I don't really remember my direct motivations, but that was definitely a catalyst in accelerating my start. So we've been talking for a while. Yeah. We're gonna take a short break right now. Cool. And we'll be back in a few moments. And we're back. Thank you again for joining us. This is Drinking with Freelancers, where me and people that I know sit around and drink. And I am still with Casey who isn't drinking. No, you gotta keep that. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've been talking to Casey Lee, uh, the owner of videography and app development company, ByteSight. How is it, like, just curious, it's like people have never heard of you or know nothing about this industry. How do you, like, talk about your company to those people? I, uh, like, what's my tagline or what, how do, what do I say? Yeah, what do you say? I, like, I how say, do you start that I conversation? I say we are a custom software and video production firm firm because it sounds cool but it could be agency it could be company it could be whatever yeah um video production uh i used to say film production 
um, because it sounds a lot cooler than video production and, and when you're talking about film, you're like talking about kind of more Hollywood level style filming. But the reality is we are video production, we don't actually shoot on film. And then custom software is actually relatively new. I used to say um, like web development or you know whatever, but web is m just a medium. We say custom software because it's really like, what we do is like we build software that's specifically for our clients. And whether that happens to be in web or mobile or desktop or whatever, which we are capable of, um, not all shops are. Uh, like I, I myself and I hire all, like I hire software engineers who are trained in all those fields. So it's really just, just uh, I don't like to say web design and web development, I like to say custom software because it's really, depending on your, on your problem, we'll have a, we may have a different solution. So. so custom software and video production firms, how I describe ourselves. Cool. Now, at some point in the past, I learned that you do breakdancing. So this is the second time it's come up this week. Really? So I just had an AMA, right? And some, was that you? That was, it was not me. I never asked some, you anything about some, it, but maybe somehow that like, no, maybe you mentioned it like offhandedly and somehow that, that like, yeah, that, I, I might have told that stuck. you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk enough that I might have just told you. Right. But someone in my AMA posted somebody named P Boy. P -boy. That was not me. I, this is how I'm I cool actually, I am. I'm called P Boy. To, I submitted to AMA as just Andrew. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and they asked, uh, I heard you were part of a breakdance crew, is that true? So this is the second time this week this has actually come up. So are you, you're still part of said breakdance? No. Because it, no. it, was, it, was, it was given to me as if you'd done this at some point in the past. Like high school. Okay. High school was when we had our breakdance crew, as it were. So how did you get into that? We were called the Aggressive Breaker Society, ABS for short. Yeah, we, we had posters that were heavily inspired by um, these posters that my sister had seen at Queens. So my older sister went to, did her undergrad at Queens. Right. And there was some, it wasn't, I don't know if it's breakdancers, there was something else, some like skateboard crew or something like that in Queens. And they had, they had posters that were really cool in the sense that they were like, not like, oh, come join our club. It was like, you only wish you were as cool as us. Like kind of really kind of cocky style. So we had actually posters like that around our high school, like, like, uh, you know, the coolest club in the world or whatever. It, it kind of stemmed from these two movies that my family friends were watching a lot at the time. So at the time, my, my family friends were really into this movie called Breakin' 2. It was the sequel. Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, which apparently is this thing that a lot of people know about. Uh, like if you like, because there's jokes about it. People will say, "Oh, like Fast and the Furious 2, Electric Boogaloo." I've heard with like the Electric Boogaloo thing, yeah. but I didn't know that that was where it was. From. Yeah, breaking so some pop culture. Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo, yeah, and Beat Street was the other one. Uh, and there was these two movies that had a lot of breakdancing in them. And I remember seeing that. I, I can't remember how it came about. I mean, it's probably at their house and we were watching it. And I, I loved it. I've always loved breakdancing, like visually. It's just like they're amazing. And I got a. I recorded these two bits of this of these videos and I just started watching them and started to try breakdancing and I tried it and started looking I actually like videotaped myself to see how it looked and I looked up online how to breakdance and practice it for a while and then I eventually got my friends into it and then we started this thing and oh this is how it came up we were talking about the Super X that's where it came up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we performed at the X. Right. I don't know if it was the Super X or it was the X. Uh, in Ottawa, we performed there. We performed at like some fashion shows in Pembroke. Like, and then we would perform at every formal. 
So like, every dance that we had, there would be the section where like, okay, now make room, guys. The break dancers are gonna come in. I'm sure there was a good chunk of the population who, after the first or second year, got really sick of us. And now, oh, these guys again. <laughs> nowadays, I only do it at like weddings because that's the only time I go to dances anymore. It's at weddings, so I'll break it out at weddings and. I'm ve- I was very out of shape then, and I'm even more out of shape now. So it's not really pretty when I break. <laughs> oh, but the cool thing is, there's this other guy who shows up at a lot of these weddings as well. Like he's a, he's part of that same family, who also break dances. So every like wedding we go to now, there's like this little break dance battle between me and him. So. Right. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. Cool. What other things do you like doing with your? I don't really know that much about like what you do yeah. when you're not here yeah, yeah, yeah. working all the time. Right. I know you have a lovely wife, Bren. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, but and that you do go occasionally on trips and stuff like that. But I don't know yeah. like too much of what do you enjoy doing with your life when you're not. Yeah. Doing business. I mean, to be honest, like you know, she like we're we're both I think pretty hard workers at our jobs, um, and so you know outside of work. There's a lot of relaxing. <laughs> we like we just we watch a lot of we watch a lot of TV, a lot of a lot of movies. Um, I mean, we watch a lot of cartoons. Like we watch a lot of Family Guy, Simpsons, right? Uh, you know, like that kind of like like those kind of cartoons and stuff. Um, yeah, we do take trips. I mean, around the world. And I mean, we're I mean I mean you know we have a vlog. Um, so, you know, we're kind of into vlogging and, and, and doing video work. I think I briefly that. appeared on your vlog when yeah, we, you did. we, we yeah, went on, on that opening Ape, night of the App 8. The App 8 video. By the way, listeners, if you have not yet tried it and are looking for a fantastically easy way to pay for your restaurant bill tonight, go to a restaurant that uses App 8. App 8 is an app built by a local company of the same name that allows you to view and pay your restaurant bill from your phone. No waiting around for your server, no waiting around for paper bills or struggling around with with, uh, point of sale machines. On your phone, you save your card, you've done your meal, you click pay and you can leave. It is fantastic, it is easy. I encourage anybody who has found it really frustrating waiting around after they finish their meal and just want to get out of there, give App Pay to try. Unpaid advertisement. Unpaid just advertisement. Just snug it in there. But I really like I really like what they do. I think it's a oh, fantastic it's I think it's a fantastic idea. And to be fair, they they, they don't need my advertising. Like their 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 product has so much is so such a I think a necessary and important thing at this point in terms of improving uh, the the quality of a of a dining experience. But I, I I mean I love their team like I love the people at App Eight. But even if I didn't know them, that their app is like I'm such a massive supporter of the idea. It just, yeah. it's such a good. I, I, idea. That's the thing. It's like I like Elias, uh, CEO, CEO of App Eight, um, and his team. But even yeah, it's like even if I didn't know who he was, if I just saw his work in the form oh, of the app, I would think. This is fantastic. This is great. I can't tell you the number of times I'm like sitting around and like, oh God, I wish App 8 was in this restaurant. Right. I can't wait till App 8 is in every restaurant. It's going to be amazing. Right. Or or yeah, or just like normalizing the fact that there's so much more that I guess like autonomy that you as a customer can have. It's the most frustrating part of the meal, you know? Uh, but no, but I mean, we're we're also back to what what we do in a free time. 
we are, we're also pretty pro Ottawa. Like we've been here for a while now, and and what I mean by that is we we try to like we got really excited about the LRT. Like we went on the first day. Um, you know, if we're not doing anything like when Glow Fair comes around, we go out to Glow Fair and like we try to check out some of the festivals. And stuff. There's there's a lot of festivals we don't go to. Like, um, I mean, I can't remember the last time I went to Blues Fest, but like. You know, other things like that are kind of like low commitment, but still like kind of getting people out in Ottawa. Like we're kind of pro that stuff. I think that Ottawa, I think in the time that I've lived here and I've been here since 08, yeah, yeah. that the number of events and the number of the amount of stuff that's specifically for the communities or even it's getting to a size where like it's some of it's for smaller communities within Ottawa. Yep has definitely increased. I feel that there's more and there's a lot more things and they're interesting and tailored to um, the interests of this community. Yeah. Small amount of it tends to be food and drink related, which well, I, mean, I personally and, can't complain about. And yeah, I mean, we love Rib Fest when it comes, um, yeah. you know, the multiple poutine fests. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, other than that, I mean, me personally, like not so much Breton, but I mean, music is a huge other thing that I do. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if you heard, but I busk in the market occasionally. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, that's very, a cool, that's a cool very occasionally, Enjoy. though. I, I, every year I buy a license and I say, as long as I make back the cost of the license, I'm okay. And I never end up making back the cost of the license. Yeah, it's just like, I don't feel like right, running my business today. I'm going to go out and the play most, music. The most I've made, it was pretty good. It was like 30 bucks in an hour. Right. Uh, but the, the license is like 50 bucks plus $10 a day. So it's, it's, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta really work for that money. So it's not an easy life for busker, but it's fun. It gives me an audience and I can play. I, I used to play open mics all the time. Um, and I used to be in a band in high school. It's, it's slowly gotten like less and less public. Like I was in a band, then I went to open mics, then I went busking. And my most recent endeavor is I, I just do a YouTube live stream of my, of me playing basically. It sounds, it seems to me that a lot of your background and like your disposition is uh, lack of, for lack of a better word, performative. Yes. In the way that like you like showing up for, for things. And I, and, and that like to go back to your much earlier point about finding that you like nine years of software engineering, not really sticking with you. Image of a software engineer is not really performative. Yeah. Uh, that the the profession tends to favor sort of quiet, reserved individuals, yeah. um, and not really like you don't think of really big, loud personalities in in, totally. so, in software development. Totally. No, you can be you can be you can be an incredibly good software engineer and not really have to show your face. You know, I, I shouldn't say that uh, completely. I'm sure there are those out there like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you do have to know how to work with a team, and you do know how how to how you know you have to like like good software engineering is more than just coding, and it's more than just being good with computers. There is a lot of human interaction aspect, yeah. um, but you if you choose not to, and you can still make a very good career if you're a not you're not a uh, like extroverted person. But I don't see the, this whole thing about introverted extroverted. I actually don't. Those are your words, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But I don't actually describe myself as an extroverted person. Right. A lot of people do describe me as an extroverted person, but I have, uh, I mean, and I, I told this to Dave Hicks when I was interviewing him. Yeah. Um, I have two states. Like, my, my top two states are one, 
being in front of a crowd of like a couple hundred people and performing or two being alone with my music like at a computer coding away for hours or editing or whatever so sort of like a little bit of call and a little bit of call yeah i enjoy them both i i think like i will say the the performing thing i i, I get a real high on like i like when i teach when i'm yeah. like speaking like even now this podcast like like i have an audience right like if you give me an audience i get a real high off you 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 clearly love students yeah yeah so for those of you listening i uh, casey and i work a lot of the time in the same co-working space um, and you've had in the time that i've been working in proximity to bite site you've had what maybe like almost half a dozen students that you've had come through and you yeah, yeah, taught totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. basics of either video and or software yeah yeah but i mean that that kind of is part of it like, you, like i get such a high from it because it's like i mean it, don't get me wrong like there's a huge part of it is the adulation you know like 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 they look up they look up to me or i think i think they do um and you, you get you i get a big high from that like when when you know you get a sense that you're you're doing something and people respect it and people look up to it like it, it's a very big high for me right but then on top of that it's also like it's such a high that you can have such an influence like you know, I love imparting advice and stuff like that. And and I'll be honest, probably a reason I get such a big high from it is that a good chunk of my life, I didn't have that. One of the, the, the oh, another really big driving factor of me starting my business is at my previous jobs, although they like really treated me well and they'd always say, Casey, man, you're doing such a good job and they'd pat me on the back and all this stuff like that. It never amounted to anything like getting a promotion or moving up in the ladder or be, being a leader or a man, like I never got any of that. Like I was always at the bottom of the, of the hierarchy uh, at, at both those companies that I worked for. And I was never put in front of customers, like, or I shouldn't say never, but I was, I was rarely put in that role to represent the company. Not, not, not a lot of visibility Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I, I mean, I shouldn't say like, there was parts of it for sure. Like I, when I got asked to be part of the customer conference, I, I, I really enjoyed that and that was really great. But a lot of other times I, I wasn't really, you know, in those kind of situations or I, I didn't feel enough of it at least, I should say. Cause I don't wanna, I don't, I, again, I don't wanna get into this thing of like, oh, like these companies treated me bad or whatever. It's more just, I didn't feel enough of it. Yeah, and it sounds like you really like enjoyed and have nothing but fond memories of the people that you work for. Yeah, 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 totally. But there's also like, how do I, how do I want to spend the rest of my life? Yeah, and it's not really feeding my soul in the way that right. I want. Right, and that's not really their fault. And it's no, not no. really, yeah. It's like just bad fit. Yeah. Right? So so I, I get a lot of that now with working with students and teaching students. And and I mean, I, I genuinely learn from them, you know, and I, I love the energy and I love, I love that they're still very high on life, you know, because a lot of times, like you, the older you get, you do get a little bit, you know, disillusioned by the world and, and stuff like that um but yeah all that high i mean i mean you're very right that i do very much enjoy uh having an audience and performing whatever that looks like you know that's why i enjoy teaching you so much yeah. about yeah about software yeah so casey's taught me a lot of things about basic principles of software just to i guess talk a little bit about about you like teaching yeah. is there anybody for you that really stands out in your memory is like people that taught you or mentored yeah, you yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of got you either to where you are 100 percent uh teaching my dad yeah. my dad like like 
it's funny because I, I don't I don't know if I've ever told him this, but he he honest like like he for sure when I look back at the way he helped me and my sister with my homework our homework uh, was super influential in the way I teach right now. Like he was he was always very big on like fundamentals and understanding beyond re- understanding beyond repetition. So it's like it's kind of like the teach a man to fish you know, show a man to fish kind of thing. Like, like he would always like go beyond, like, don't just understand how to do it for like adding these two numbers, be able to extrapolate it past that. And in order to do that, understand really what's underneath it all. And so he was very, very big on that. And, and almost to the point where it's like, Oh, I just, I don't, I don't want to, I just want to get this done or whatever. But that had a huge influence on me in the sense that like, that's the way I teach now. Uh, the way I teach now very much is like that, you know? And, so that was that's for sure a really big influence on, on my teaching for sure so sounds like a lot of it's like comes down to trying to encourage a little bit of creativity it's not enough to like know this by rote yeah. but being able to connect things that you don't just hand people but they're able to make those connections themselves well i wonder i wonder if it comes from a place too of like because because one of the things like he i think like he really instilled in us was like in that deeper understanding and I've noticed it in my older sister, and I noticed it myself as well, that we are so adamant that other people also have that knowledge. Like, we're so adamant that, like, look, if you're going to learn from me, I'm going to teach it to you, like, to the point of annoyance almost. I'm going to, like, go way beyond what you asked for. But I think it's so important that you understand it this way, right? And I think it's, it's, it's that, it's almost that slight cockiness of, I understand this better than most people understand this, so I'm going to teach it to you this way. Right. Right. Like I definitely, you'll hear me say that a lot when I'm teaching. I'm like, now that you guys, now that you understand this, you probably understand this better than 90% of the world. Right. And that's a pretty cocky statement because that's basically saying like, because I taught this to you, right. you now understand it better than 90% of the world. Right. But, we, but, but I think, I think it's in, in a lot of ways, like 90% is a big number, but in a lot of ways it's, it's true that, that I think the way I've been taught and the way I learn things, um, I, I do try to go on a very deep level. Uh, to understanding things, you go you go down those YouTube holes. You're 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 pretty intense. Yes. Like a lot of the time when you're like when you're at work. I mean, the, like I, I remember a couple of months ago looking up how a camera sensor worked, and I spent like hours, like on YouTube, just being obsessed with like how light hits these sensors and how it actually works, and it's like it's like eye open. It's sort of like everyone knows how to drive a car, but very few people actually really could tell you down to like the nuts and bolts of yeah. how an engine works yeah oh my god that is a great example that's another youtube hole i went down right. like i so i love the idea of driving a standard car like manual uh and i can but i'm not great at it i'm i i can drive if you gave me a standard car i could get it from point a to point b but most people who saw me driving that would probably be like what are you doing like this is really terrible so the only way i thought that rather than people telling me how and when to release the clutch and all this stuff like that, it's like if I studied how a manual transmission actually works, it will really make me a better. It, that actually just dawned on me because I learned how to drive stick. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe part of it was the fact that I didn't, I don't necessarily understand how a transmission works yeah. down at like a really fundamental level. This is the thing, and like. I went down the hole of learning that, and I still like am iffy around it. I, I asked my friends who who are really big car guys how things work, but it it is mind blowing that the internal combustion engine automobile that we drive around every day 
works as well as it does. It is such a complex mess of, of engineering. Right. Like an electric motor is very different. Like an electric motor, it's like batteries on, power goes, wheel spin. The whole explosion and gears and all this stuff, it's, it's mind blowing how complex it is. Well, and to think that like you and I spend so much of our day in front of a computer and thinking that that like the technology of a computer is really the culmination of thousands if not millions of people over the space of like the best part of the 20th century yeah. to get to a point where we can have a device that's super convenient and that allows me to use it without without understanding almost nothing about how it operates at like an electronic level there's a really good quote do you know do you know johnny ive sounds familiar He's the, he was the apple the apple design, industrial designer and he's kind of branched off now to his own company. He's kind of that, that guy who's always in the, he kind of speaks a little bit pretentiously. He, he has a great quote about Apple devices that kind of summarizes that, which is basically, Apple devices are so deceivingly simple that they mask like an amazing amount of complexity that's going on behind it, right? Like an Apple device works so well and is seemingly so simple, but to get to that level, there's like just a mass amount of complex engineering. It's, such a, it's such a simple and intuitive interface. Yeah. At least at like like the Mac OS is. Well, the iPhone. The iPhone is yeah. like like a kid. A kid can use an iPhone, like no problem. And admittedly, as someone that doesn't use Apple product, it is once you get the hang of it, using Apple is actually really simple and yeah. useful. And as long as you, yeah, again, as I think is the point. As long as you don't need, really need to, you don't need to look at under the 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 hood, as it were, to yeah. see how it all works. Yeah. Apple's probably a great choice for it. Yeah, that's the thing. One thing that I really wanted to ask you before yes. we left tonight was BiteSight in the time that I've known you. Yeah. It's never been just like you, it's been a team. Yeah. And this team has grown, there's been, sometimes there's been a lot of you, sometimes there's been only a few of you. But you've always had like a team. And I'm really curious as to, first of all, like when did you decide like, it's not just going to be just me. I'm going to bring in all these other people. I can 99.9% .9 confidently say from the beginning. Like I, I, when I, when I had the idea to start my company, it wasn't like I was a freelancer or an independent and decided then, oh, I'm getting too much work. I'm going to bring people on. From the beginning, I wanted to build a company. I wanted to build like a team, a company. That was my, always my vision. My vision was like, I'd be running a company of 10 to 20 people. And in fact, to the point where I made decisions that maybe were not the smartest business decisions. Like for example, when you start out and you start hiring people, usually the most logical thing you start off with is contractors. Cause you don't have to pay EI, you don't have to pay CPP, you know, you don't have to manage a lot of your liability with them all this stuff, right? There's just a lot of things, a lot of benefits of working with contractors. There's a fixed cost, all this stuff, right? Thank you for selling me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and most people, when you talk to them, they, they start off by hiring contractors, right? right? But I was so adamant about the team aspect and the company aspect that to me, it's like most companies I know are not hiring contractors, they're hiring people. They're hiring, sorry, staff members, employees, right? So I was so obsessed with the, this idea of like, I want this to be a company. And I also thought about the idea of like, well, when you're an employee, you might feel more like part of a team than a contractor. Sometimes contractors are like effectively embedded employees, but sometimes they're really just an outside party, right? And so I was very obsessed with the idea of like wanting to build a team that my first hires were all staff. They were all employees with full payroll, with all that stuff, because I was so adamant about people not 
thinking of Bitesight as just Casey Lee. Right. And also, I was also adamant about this being a company. Now, I struggled with that though, in terms of like convincing people that's what it was. Because I was still doing part time work for Telvio. I was an embedded filmmaker at Elspark two days a week. Right. Right.、Um, so, very much it still appeared that I didn't have a company. And actually, it was one of the reasons I broke off from Elspark a little bit. I, I was like doing one or two days a week there, and I was like, if I'm running a company, it's weird. If I'm a CEO of a company, it's weird that I'm embedded one or two days of work at another company. Right. And Elspark's now one of your clients. Like, you've done、yeah. some, some pretty attractive work. Yeah, some of our、and、best work in, in the video area for yeah, Elspark. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, and Teldio was one of our clients at one point. So, a lot of the previous companies I, I kind of associate with、What's、were. Was it Clover? Yeah, exactly, exactly.、Um, but yeah, so, so from the beginning, I, I really wanted to build a team. And, and, and to the point where I really didn't like it when people called me a freelancer. I actually very much did not like people calling me that. And, and I did one job as a freelancer, like a true freelancer. In other words, hired by another company, one time payment, no real say in what was going on, just get it done kind of thing. And after that, I never really took a freelance job again. Now, mind you, not that many freelance jobs came up. Oh, that's not entirely true. That's not entirely true. I did do one more,、uh, which wasn't too bad.、Uh, not nearly as bad as that other one. But yeah, my vision for what I was and what I was building, which was a team, which was a company, was almost like from the start, for sure. Right. Even if it meant that like, you were. You were, as the, your accountant probably would say, you're doing this the expensive way. Yeah, yeah, you know. And it wasn't, it wasn't my accountant. It was just, it was subtle hints from other people. Or, or, what I, what, or to be honest, it was more what I assumed other people were doing. Maybe they're not. Maybe, maybe they're doing what and, I'm and doing. And now you've had people with you for a while. Like、yeah. you've, got, um, you've got Tim, who's now been with you. I feel like he's, four been, years. he's been with you for as long as I've been around. Yeah, yeah, four years. It's, it's pretty awesome. I'm super lucky to have him. Like, he's, he's like crazy talented.、Um, and,、uh, you know, I was lucky to get him when I did. And I almost didn't. Like, I, I was ready to hire someone else when his application came in.、Um, and I'm lucky he stayed with us as long as he has, because, like, four years is a long time for anybody to stay at any company. For those of you listening, Tim is a、uh, principal videographer with Bitesight, isn't he? We call him full stack filmmakers. Full stack filmmakers. There we <laughs> go. But, anyways, yeah, you'll, if you ever want to talk to Tim, you, if you come into my Byward office during a weekday, there's a very good chance that Tim will be around working on some kind of video.、Um, I noticed he made a very beautiful pumpkin yeah, with the brand logo that, yeah, yeah. That this week for Halloween. He, he's,、so. he's been with us long enough that I, I, like, I rely on him a lot. Like, when, I, when I can't figure things out, I'll have conversations with him. And, And I mean, I treat, him, I, I treat him like he's helped me build this business because he really has, you know. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, I guess for anybody that might be listening, they might be thinking, like,、yeah. I want to do what Casey's doing. I、yeah. want to like, have a company and a, and a group of people.、Um, what would you say are like, the most important things、uh, to keep in mind when you're trying to build a team around a company or a brand? Yeah, I think,、um, I mean, I, I gave this advice at the AMA. Which kind of applies to anything, and then I'll, I'll be more specific about starting a business like Bitesight. I think one of the things that has really worked for me is a very specific type of experimenting, which is basically one, be very comfortable with experimenting, but two, the experiment should be very small, achievable, and give you some kind of feedback, right? So small and achievable because that will actually encourage you to do them. 
right? If your experiment is, like I was just talking to Jack, so Jack, again, one of my employees at some point, and he started his own company, he implemented a new process where he meets with his team for 10 minutes every week. And that's a small experiment. That's pretty easy to do, 10 minutes a week, right? That's nothing, right? But it's great, so it's a small achievable experiment, but one that also gives you feedback because then it can encourage you to do more. And I, when I look at everything that I've tried in my life, uh, there's a lot of things that stuck and there's a lot of things that didn't stick, but the, the one thing they had all in common is that I, they just started other experiments, right? So I would encourage that if you're trying to form a company, look at your stepping stones and, and experiment with it. The second thing I would say specifically about starting a company like BiteSite is one thing, two things were 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 things that I, I think if I would have told myself, I probably would have got started sooner, which is one, it's actually not that hard to get started. Like you don't need a lot to get started. Like like people, I, I thought, and I'm sure other people think, that you, you gotta do all this official paperwork and you gotta, you gotta like get a bank account, you gotta do all this stuff, and you don't. Like you really don't. Like, like if someone's gonna pay you something, that could be the start of your business, that's it, right? Um, so realizing that you don't actually need all these things in place at the beginning, like you need them eventually legally, but, but in the beginning you don't need that much. And then the second kind of compliment to that is that um, a lot of what I know now as an owner of a business and a lot of what I, I do and that we're pretty good at was really just figure it out as we went, you know, like I didn't know how to do payroll, so I took like the guy who was running payroll, this guy named Brad at Teldeo, I took him out for lunch because I didn't know how payroll worked and he explained it to me over lunch, you know? So like little things like that, I didn't, I didn't need that at the beginning and then I need to figure it out later, right? Yeah, or like the time that you explained to me how React worked. Yeah, I mean, like, you figure it out when you like, need it, right? Like, I don't know how long we actually spent yeah. talking to me about that. But anyway, that's it for our time tonight. Cool. Casey, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Uh, for those of you listening, thank you. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Casey and his work, I encourage you to visit his website, bitesite, that's B-I-T-E-S-I-T-E dot C-A. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.